This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Has life ever dealt you a blow that you weren't sure you'd recover from? Perhaps a serious illness, disability, death of a child, or loss of everything in a fire, flood, or earthquake, or even everyday disappointments such as a major unexpected job loss or a financial crisis. Our circumstances don't have to define us. We get to decide how we will live above and beyond the circumstances. My guest today was faced with those choices, and he chose joy. Let me tell you about him. Known as the ambassador of joy, Barry Shore is a mental wellness activist, philanthropist, multi-patent holding entrepreneur, speaker, author, podcaster, and former quadriplegic who is now swimming around the world. After a rare disease paralyzed Barry from the neck down, he created the Joy of Living community, the Keep Smiling movement that has reached multiple celebrities and distributed millions of Keep Smiling cards worldwide and a philanthropic platform featured in Oprah's magazine. Barry's podcast, Joy of Living, is heard globally by hundreds of thousands and has over 3 million downloads. His latest book, The Joy of Living, How to Slay Stress and Be Happy, is available on Amazon and Apple Books. So with great joy, I welcome you, Barry, the ambassador of joy. I'm so glad that you're on The Voice of Leadership and on Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Thanks for joining me here today. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings and good looking people. Now, Dr. Karen, how can I make the categorical statement that all the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that will be watching and listening to this are all good looking? Because by definition, if they tune in to listen to you in faith leadership, it means they're always looking for and finding the good. That's a good looking person looking for and finding the good in life. I love it. That's why you and I are talking today, because we both have that as a philosophy and a way of being. You know, we have a lot to talk about today, Barry, and we're going to go a little bit around Robin Hood's barn and here and there. I want to dial back even to before you got this rare disease, and I want to talk a little bit about your business life and your life before the illness. What was life like for you before this condition occurred and before you became a quadriplegic, what kind of work were you doing? Tell us about that. First of all, what a joy to be with you today and to share with all these wonderful people that are tuning in and will share with other people. By the way, SHARE is a wonderful acronym that stands for Spreading Happiness and Rejuvenating Energy. That's what sharing is all about. 
So I would share with you the following. Even prior to becoming paralyzed and now exponentially greater happiness in my life than prior, I was living with the three fundamentals of life. These three fundamentals are, number one, life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, number two happens. Now, in this case, a good number two. Number two is you lead a purpose-driven life, you go MAD. MAD is an acronym that stands for make a difference. And the third fundamental of life is to uncover the power in the secrets of everyday words and terms. I'll give you a simple example, Dr. Karen. Right now, our show is being carried worldwide over the internet, right? If you ask anybody, what does WWW stands for? Invariably, those have to do with the internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for what a wonderful world. <laughs> and Absolutely. what is a word, right? W-H-A-T-A. So whenever you hear the opening bars of that amazing song, which Louis Armstrong, you know, Satchmo made famous and gone around the world and just, touch not just tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but billions of people on the planet. Right away, when you hear the, the opening bar, what do you do? You I smile. See. Now, smile is one of the greatest words you can ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life because it stands for seeing miracles in life every day. So prior to becoming completely, totally paralyzed overnight from rare disease, not an automobile accident, not a spinal injury, a rare disease I never heard of the day before. At the age of 55, prior to that, I was working in business. I was working in my marriage. I was working on myself and I was working and be trying to become the best me possible. I was taught by some wonderful mentors and certainly my parents as well, that the real goal of life is to do good and to be good and to become the best you possible. Because when you're the best you, you make the world a better place for yourself, your family, your friends, and all living beings. So I was deeply involved in the business world because I think business is one of the highest callings in life. Now, interesting enough, by the way, the word business is really fascinating. It's spelled B-U-S-I-N-E-S. -S, S, we all know that. Notice that the U comes before the I. See, real good business makes sure that you are getting the benefit, not I. It's not I'm in business to make money or do this. I'm in business to serve. The ability to recognize that business is a process of service enables the human being to grow, to grow exponentially. Now, grow financially. You can do very well when you're service-oriented. So I was blessed from the age of 10 when I started my first business, which was shoveling snow. <laughs> I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, which if you're listening for anywhere in the world, you know where it is. Look it up and you'll see that in the wintertime, we get snow and it was cold. I'll make the story a little bit short, but it's very illustrative of what happened for me later in life. So when it was a snow day, which means we had between six and 12 or 18 inches of snow, and they called school off. Yay! Well, we only heard about it through the radio because no internet, of course. Uh, so what did people do? Well, a lot of people went back to sleep or they played games and such. Uh-uh. I said, wait a minute, this is fabulous. I put on my on underwear, my heavy jacket, my boots, my gloves, my earmuffs, because it gets cold out there, and a hat and a shovel. And I went knocking door to door to shovel snow because I could make a lot of money doing that. 
Now you got to remember 10 years old, I got an allowance of 25 cents a week, which okay, was good money. But when I shoveled snow, I could make somewhere between seven and $10 per driveway or cleaning somebody's walk. And I could do four or five of those. I could make 40, $50 on the day that it snowed. But here's what gets really interesting. See, I'm not afraid to knock on somebody's door and to talk to them about shoveling and doing work and collecting. But I realized something. My friends also, they run to go back to sleep. I say, hey, look, you can make money. How are we going to do it? I'll knock on the doors. I'll get the business and I'll share with you 80-20. In other words, you get 80%, I get 20%. So we did a driveway for, let's say, $10. So I got $2. They got $8. They didn't have to knock anybody's door. They didn't have to do anything. I learned the power of leverage, right? So yes. now, in addition to me shoveling and making, let's say, $30, I was making from four different friends, I was making another $30, $40. I can make $70 when I only had to do work of $30, just knocking on doors. And here's where it gets really important. I mean, really important for people who are in business and are listening. I learned how to say no. <laughs> Before you go to learning how to say no, I want to just yeah. pick up on a couple of things you mentioned, because you were talking about being an entrepreneur from a very young age. You were also employing other people from a very young age, and then you leveraged all of that learning even into your adult life in terms of starting multi-million dollar businesses yourself. You have a number of patents. Tell us about that. Advance to the adult years a little bit and tell us how this childhood bent actually turned into something powerful later in your life. So first of all, Dr. Karen, it's such a pleasure to be with you because you keep me on the straight and narrow and you want to inf we want to transform people, not just inform people. So you're right. What happened as an adult was already recognized as the kid and the child. And that's beautiful, like the analogy of a tree. So I'll give you an example of something. I was in several businesses. One of them was the diamond business. I was very successful in the diamond business. I went to a school called the GIA, Gemological Institute of America, the most famous place in the world to learn how to study diamonds. And I did so well, they asked me to be a teacher there. I was very flattered. They didn't pay much, but it didn't matter. I took the job because to be a teacher at the most prestigious institution in the world was very helpful. And within two years, I started a business with another friend of mine from the GIA. And within three years after our business, it happened to be a boom time in the diamond business, we bought and sold over $100 million worth of diamonds. I was able to retire at the age of 34. Now, I did that for a few months. I said, well, this is boring. <laughs> Hello, it's not what it's cracked up to be. So I went back, started looking at other businesses, and I, was, I became involved in the telecommunications field. And while I was traveling around the world and such, I realized that there was a great disparity between prices, or let's say in other countries, and the price of telephoning in the United States. In our country, it was very inexpensive. In other countries, it was very expensive because the government controlled everything. When governments control things, prices, they, they're highly regulated and they're high. So I'm going to make the story very short because it's really interesting. I was in South Africa in the late 1990s, around 1997 or so. I wanted to send a fax back to the United States. Now, faxing was very big then. 1997, email was very small. It's hard for people to imagine this. And I was going to send, a pay, I think, a five-page fax. It was going to cost me $50. I said, what? Now, I could afford it, thank God. 
But $50, that's $10 a page. In the United States, it was going to cost me, what, uh, a dollar a page, a half a dollar a page? I said, there must be a better way. So I paid the money, went back to the United States. I started doing research. And I found the ability to utilize this new service called the Internet, <laughs> 97, 98, 99, 2000. And what did we do? We created a service where you could send and receive faxes for free to 17 countries of the world. How? We put advertising on the side of the fax. So that was evolutionary, revolutionary. And with a couple of years of starting the company, I was bought by a NASDAQ listed company, made, thank God, many millions of dollars. And it was just so much fun. I said, this is so great. Let's do it again. So I started a company called Speak for Free, which was a predecessor to Skype, if anybody remembers that. And we allowed people to call 17 countries for free. And again, I was bought by a NASDAQ company. And then something interesting happened. The internet market crashed. Now, I don't know if everybody listening remembers that, but this was the early 2000s or so. The internet crashed completely. The stock market went down. It was over. Many, many millions of dollars were lost by many people, including me. But thank God I had experience. I knew what to do. And I was able to utilize my experience and the three patents that were issued and such. And people were calling me and say, hey, we want to talk to you because you know something about the internet. And people didn't know much. And I was hired by this wonderful company, huge real estate company, to help stall, install broadband into all of their buildings. And that's a great story unto itself. I want to ask more stuff because you said a few things about your business experience that I think are important to punctuate. One, when you were teaching at the GIA Gemological School, you said they didn't pay much. However, the prestige of teaching there and the learning that you would gain, this you could leverage in the future. I think that this is important. Sometimes we make career decisions because they position us in a better way for the future. It's not always about the pay per se. And then th that theme comes back when you say you learned so much about the internet. Now people are willing to pay you for that knowledge and also for that information. So I think since we're talking to business leaders, this is just important to highlight that part of your career was figuring out how can I learn and then leverage that learning. And in all these cases, you're looking around and you're saying, there's a need here for affordable fax service. There's a need here for affordable speaking to people kind of service. So you're developing businesses based on what people need. That's also powerful. So I just wanted to say that as we're thinking about it. And I didn't want to forget, you said you learned something earlier about saying no. So let's talk about that. That seemed important to you. First of all, I have to say thank you again. I am privileged and honored to be on many different podcasts, webinars, and such. It is rare to find somebody as astute, interesting, and careful as Dr. Karen. And I think that's why you have so many people tuning in. She's not just asking a question. She's listening and utilizing the information to transform the conversation. So yes, thank you so much, Dr. Kevin, for the opportunity to again share with people that it's not always about the paycheck. It's far more when you're in a position where you can, let's say, educate, help, 
I use these terms of, of how and who and why. How stands for helping others win. Who stands for winners help others. And why stands for winners help wisely. If you position yourself as a winner, money will always come to you. It's by definition. It must. It's called the law of attraction. Money is there to be to reward you for your service. So just think about what you can do to be the most service. So I'm going to answer your question now about the ability to say no. We call it firing a client even. So imagine, you know, you got this 10 or 11-year-old kid who's knocking in the door of a householder at 8 a.m. in the morning after a blizzard and saying, hey, I'm, I'll clear off your driveway, your steps and such like that. The kid, the guy's looking at me and says, okay, how much you want? I say, I want $10. And the guy says, I'll give you seven or eight. Now, they're expecting, I'm going to say, well, okay, I'll do it for nine or whatever, you know, negotiation. And I realized, well, first of all, it's a blizzard. There are many more people and my time is valuable. So I thought about it and said, thank you very much, but no. And I turned around, I walk away. I don't think I ever went more than two or three steps before this person said, well, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because I looked around, like you said, what's the need? The need is, well, I got 12 inches of snow on my driveway and the kid's going to do it. And 10 bucks to me is where, you know, it's certainly worthwhile and for the, the kid. So the ability to learn how to say no is so important. It helped me so many times in my business life. It's far more valuable than saying yes. That is so true, Barry, because not all work is really good work. I guess I'll put it that way. And some things take up a lot of time and there's not much return on investment one way or the other or they may not be aligned with your purpose because you were talking about being purpose-driven. And so there's a connection there as well. Yeah, this is so important, What the word you just used. And let's have fun with it. Okay. Uh, everybody knows what a chiropractor is. You know, you're feeling out of sorts physically. You go to a chiropractor and he or she does this. <clears throat> you feel relaxed and aligned, correct? Yes. I have found... That one of the great benefits of life is to become your own spiritual chiropractor. What does that mean? That means to align your thoughts, your words, and your deeds in good. Because when your thoughts are in goodness, and your words are in good, and your deeds are good, you are aligned spiritually. Now you can enable the flow of life to come through you not from you. It's a lesson in humility that I was taught many decades ago by a, a fellow who was the president of a very large insurance company. I find this fellow to be just so fascinating. He taught me a lot. And one day he revealed to me that he was a former, or he called it, he, he says, I'm an alcoholic. My eyes bugged out because I would think I was 24, 25. And I didn't really, I never really met a real alcoholic. He said, well, I don't drink anymore. But I'm an alcoholic. So if anybody knows anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, you always say, I'm still an alcoholic. I just don't drink. Because the whole idea was understanding this word called ego. This is what he taught me. Ego stands for edging God out. See, the more of you, you think you're the one who makes everything happen. You're the power, less of God. And then you're going to end up with a big ego and it's not going to help. Humility will enable you to be of service, to become a leader. 
A leader, interesting is that the same letter that spells leader spells dealer. So in my vocabulary, leaders are dealers in hope. Hope stands for helping others progress every day. That's what a leader is, helping others progress every day. So if you do that, you, your own spiritual chiropractors, your thoughts are in good, your words are in good, your deeds are in good. You have the ability to have humility, recognizing things come through you, not from you. Absolutely. When I think about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, He's waiting there, just we're the vessels, and He's waiting to fill us with His Spirit so we can go out and do His work. And we don't even have the source to fill ourselves apart from God. So you're absolutely right. If we have a great enough purpose, there's no way that we have the source apart from Him in order to do that purpose. And my guess is something about your story is going to connect with this too, as you share with us what really did happen with this disease that suddenly materialized that happened overnight. You were fine when you went to bed at night and not so fine anymore. Go back there, tell us about that. And then we'll unpack some more about that journey. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Imagine if you can, again, I was standing up in the morning, hale and hearty that evening in the hospital, totally, completely paralyzed, not automobile, not spinal injury, rare disease. I never heard of. And it's hard to believe this, but when you're a quadriplegic means nothing in your body moves zero. And it happened within the course of a couple of hours. All I could do was blink my eyes to communicate. I was 144 days in the hospital. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I couldn't turn over by myself. I was four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, from my hips to my ankles. That was progress. Um, today, thank God, I'm vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand. So I'm a tripod. I'm not a biped. I still can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb myself. This is 18 years later. And I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. And it's all because of this one word, <laughs> this one word, smile. Because what does smile stand for? Seeing miracles in life every day. But I got to tell you a quick story, Dr. Karen. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks ago, and she says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. Smile, smile, sounds the same. Why not? I asked her, how come? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. I'm imagining that when this incident occurred at the time that it happened, it must have felt really difficult. If you dial yourself back there, what did it feel like when you realized you're paralyzed, you can only blink your eyes, and you were used to being an able-bodied person, not only who just did things, you did a lot of stuff. Let me tell you a story. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I'm human. Ah, it may, be, it may be hard to hear it from my voice and see it from the, from the video, but I'm human. So was I nervous? Was I scared, worried, etc.? Well, hello. However, I would like to share the following. By the time this happened, I was always about, I was three weeks into the process. So I was I regained some of my voice. I could barely speak above a whisper, but I could, okay, I could regain some of my voice. They were always picking me up and putting me on a gurney, moving around and doing tests and seeing, trying to see what they could do to help me and such like that. 
So this particular person was a male nurse, interestingly enough. And this was, I think, third or fourth day that he had been with me. He's wheeling me back to my room. And he stops the gurney in the hallway. And I remember, because all I could do was look up, obviously. I could see that it was sort of uh, getting dark out. And um, he was bent down. He asked me a question. He said, Mr. Shaw, can I ask you a personal question? So I said, yes. Again, it could barely speak above a whisper. And he says, look, this is my specialty. I work with people who are quadriplegics, paraplegics, and such. Um, I've never met anybody who's not bitter and angry. How come you're not bitter and angry? And I realized at that moment, Dr. Karen, that he was asking me the great existential question, which is, why me, God? Why did you do this to me? But that's not what I was asking. I was asking, I'm just a regular guy. Why me, God? What am I supposed to do? And I can tell you, 55 years on the planet, at that moment, the greatest calm that I had ever known in my life came over me. I had no idea what was going to happen, if I was going to move again, walk again. I had no idea of anything. Completely calm in the moment in trust. And it was a huge turning point in my life. Now, it took years to be able to move anything on my body. Years. For two years in a hospital bed, my vision, my visualization was me sitting up and putting my feet over the side of the bed. That's, that was it. That For me, that was big time. It took me two years to do it. I did it. And now I'm going to make everybody wild with craziness when I tell you the following. In the course of gaining back some of my abilities to move, I can't sit up from this chair right now. So basically from the waist down, I'm still what they call paralyzed. But I learned how to swim again because we did a lot of what's called aquatic therapy. I now swim two miles a day, <laughs> six days a week. I've been doing that for more than a dozen years. I have more than 8,721 miles that I've noted in my notebooks. So when people tell you about stuff, here's the line I have used and I've helped thousands of people. Diagnosis is not destiny. Diagnosis is not destiny. They Doctors, no matter what, they, you, you know, you're not going to walk again. Don't worry, we can help you. Nobody knows. It's up to you. It's up to you. You know, I think that that phrase, diagnosis is not destiny, is just huge. That's really important. There are some choice points that we sort of get to make in our lives. And you mentioned even visualizing yourself being able to put your legs over the edge of the bed or whatever. It took you two years to do it. However, you did do it. And some people would give up because it's taking too long. So I want to dial back when you said you had, I'll say, a conversation with God of like, okay, why me? What to do with this? Like, almost like an expectation that there's a reason, there's a purpose, even for this in your life. So you're seeking God to find out, well, what is the reason? What is the purpose? How will you use this? What kind of answer did you get back? What was God revealing to you and saying to you in those moments? In my humble opinion, he was saying, Barry Shore, you know I love you. I need your attention. You're moving a little too fast. So I'm going to give you some time to just be. That's how I understood my paralysis. 
and my situation today. I, I can tell you, for me to get out of bed in the morning, that's a big thing. It still takes me 10 minutes to get out of bed in the morning, Dr. Karen. I have to push and pull and do that. I don't just get up and just jump out of bed. To be vertical and ambulatory is, to me, in a great expression. I say it, I'm telling every single morning. The fact that I'm vertical and ambulatory, wow. Matter of fact, I'll even, I'll urge people to do this. Uh, you can only do this for eight seconds, by the way, because you do it for more than that, you'll freak out. But tonight, when you go to sleep, lay down on your back, arms at your side, legs, just gently breathe, no more than eight seconds, and say to your toes to move, and they don't move. Tell your feet to move, and they don't move. Tell your legs to move, they don't move. Tell your fingers to move, they don't move. Tell your arms to move, they don't move. Tell your body to move, it doesn't, can't move. And recognize, you can't move anything, nothing. Can't do it for more than eight seconds, you go crazy. That's how I was for years. So the ability to move my arms, to pick up a spoon or a fork and put food in my mouth and chew, wow! Now you don't have to go through paralysis to love life that much. But to be able to think about it and to breathe deeply and to use the word wow, wow stands for words of wisdom, words of wonder, which I hope we're touching you with today. This is really what it's about. The ability to recognize in your life that there are miracles every single day. But the key is open your eyes and find them. I think another key in what you're saying is to really be thankful for the everyday things that we often take for granted, like being able to get out of bed, being able to feed ourselves or whatever. If we can live in gratitude and thankfulness on a regular basis, there are miracles all around us that we probably miss just because we're not looking at it with that lens. So let me share with everybody uh, two things in that. We want to make sure that people get real practical stuff today. Okay, Barry Shaw, great story, you know, very nice because you're handsome and rich. It's all working out. Well, yes, okay, so I'm handsome. And I'm rich in many, many ways and wealthy in many, many ways. But I want to share with people three very practical things that we can do now. I mean immediately to put in practice in your life, and it will make you better, your family, your friends, all living beings. Number one is breathe. Breathe. Hello, Barry Shaw. Of course, I'm breathing. I'm listening to you right now. Yeah, but that's shallow breathing. That's just keeping you alive. What we're talking about, and this again, I practice this because of my situation and became enhances life. And that's called deep diaphragmatic breathing. There's only one problem with that, Dr. Karen. Most people I found can't spell diaphragm and they don't know where it is. So I call it tummy breathing. It's a process where it takes four breaths only. Four breaths takes you less than two minutes. I have a whole video on my website about this on YouTube. Thousands and tens of thousands of people use it and use it every single day, twice a day, once before noon, once afternoon. Breathe in through your nose, deep into your tummy, just slowly, and let it out slowly through your mouth. It takes maybe, what, uh, 12 seconds, 14 seconds, whatever it is. And do that four times. It's called conscious, loving breath. When you do that, your whole physiognomy changes. And your psychology changes. And you do it four breaths. That's all you need. Once before noon, once afternoon, twice a day, 11 days in a row. By the 12th day of the practice, you'll be consciously calm and aware. You'll open up 
the twin channels of giving and receiving, and you'll experience greater intimacy than you've known in years. You'll reignite the electric touch. Bing! <laughs> you know, psychologists have been talking for years about deep breathing of this type that you're referring to. I just think that most people don't tend to practice it. However, it's very healthy, it's very helpful, and you're just giving another voice to say, yes, this is useful. This is something worth doing. Absolutely. I, I literally urge everybody say, okay, Barry, sure, I'm going to do it. And just twice a day. And if you miss a day, start again. You need 11 days in a row, twice a day. That's number one practical tip. Mm -hmm. Number two, and this goes right to Dr. Karen. She's so beautiful. And I mean, in every positive, purposeful way, she's so beautiful. Practice gratitude. Okay, nice words. How do I practice gratitude? Here's how. You're going to use the two most powerful words in the English language, and you're going to say them consciously and conscientiously three times a day. And these two words are, drum roll, fanfare, da-dun, da-da. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's what I thought. Thank you. Because <laughs> thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness to harmonize and network kindness. Dalai Lama is a quote of saying, I read in his writing, be kind whenever possible. As he said, it's always possible. Imagine you go to the, co the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, you sit down, somebody brings you, you say, thank you, right? You go to the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, a couple of minutes going, nobody brings you, you go to the counter, they say, I'm sorry, I forgot, bring it to you, sit down, a couple of minutes go by, somebody brings you, you still say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you, you say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank, thank you. you. You're in traffic, you're late for an appointment, somebody cuts you off, you say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night, you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you. To harmonize and network kindness. Now the third, the third of the practical tips and tools, I think may be the most powerful. And that is learn to love dog poop. Oh, yes. Did Barry Shua say dog poop? Yes. Learn to love dog poop. <laughs> For those who can see me, I'm holding up one of Barry's cards that says learn to love dog poop. <laughs> dog poop is a great acronym that stands for doing of good, power of one person. When you recognize that doing of good becomes part of your very being, you make a difference in the world. You go mad. And the second part, the power of one person, if you really knew inside, in your tummy, in your heart, in your mind, how powerful you are, you'd never have a negative thought. And when you reach out to another with your doing of good, your power of one person, one person to another, to another, to another, to another. We create a tsunami of goodness around the world. Nothing, nothing can stop good deeds, good thoughts, good words, nothing. There's no mountain, there's no wall, impossible. So when you're walking along with a friend and you walk by dog poop, when you see somebody picking up, say, to your friend, wow, I love dog poop. They'll say, what are you talking about? What are you crazy? They say, no, well, I listen to Dr. Karen. You know, she's so interesting. She had on this crazy guy. What was his name? Barry. said, learn to love dog poop. And then the same person will say, what's that all about? And you, now you have an opening to talk about the doing of good, the 
the power of one person. We make a difference. We change the world. You are in charge. One person, remember, it's all about you becoming you the best you. Not about Barry Shore, nice guy that he is. Not even about Dr. Karen, wonderful woman, or even Chad Barr, the producer. It's about you, you becoming the best you possible. Three practical things to do right now. Breathe into your tummy. Say thank you consciously and conscientiously three times a day. Yeah, you can say thank you 20 times, but consciously and conscientiously three times and learn to love dog poop and share it with other people. <laughs> so what I want to ask you about, because earlier you said that you decided to start swimming. And I know that you have a goal and objective to swim around the world. And you've already put in a lot of miles. The transition, how do you get from being paralyzed as a quadriplegic to having a goal and an objective of swimming around the world. There are people at home right now, they hear what you're saying about the three practical strategies, and they're wondering, how do I do that? How do I access that? If I'm sitting on the hospital bed and I can't move, how can I dream of swimming around the world? <laughs> well, I couldn't either. I can tell you that before, interesting enough, prior to being paralyzed, could I swim? Yes. In other words, from one end of the pool to the other, I could save myself from drowning. Okay. I wasn't a swimmer. I can tell I'm quite blunt. I was not a swimmer until the age of 57 or so. And it happened, interesting enough, in a wonderful way. So uh, came home from the hospital, again, paralyzed. And after about a year or so, they, my helper put me in a wheelchair because I've been in a wheelchair for years and took me outside one day on our beautiful tree-lined street in Venice, California. And neighbor comes running over and says, I love you. And I just want to tell you, I'm going to have you up and out of that chair and walking within a year. I say, wow. I didn't say it like that because I couldn't move my arms or anything. Uh, but he's, And I'll listen to anybody. You know, when the doctor says you're never going to walk again, I didn't listen. When somebody says, I'm going to have you up walking, I said, I'll, I'll listen, right? <laughs> Hello, because I love the positive. And, I, and he told me he's the greatest aquatic therapist in all of America. Now, how did I know it was true? Because he told me, I love people who are out there. Started bringing me into the pool, and he has a, he has a company, so he had a whole team. I'll just make it forward, fast forward. There's a something called a Hoyer lift. It's a special device that they have for bringing people in and out of beds and hospital settings. And they have it at a lot of pools, especially in Southern California. So they got me from the wheelchair onto the Hoyer lift into the water. And they had people working on me. They put flotation devices on my arms, on my tummy, on my legs. So I wouldn't sink and drown. And it's not good for business if you have a drowning patient, right? Um, so after, you know, I did this three times a week getting out there back. I mean, they'd talk about work, but hey, it's work that I wanted to do. And I'll tell you, after about a year, now remember, now I'm into the process three years or so. After about a year, one day, I put my arms over my head and right arm, left arm, and guess what? I moved. <laughs> I kept putting my arm on my head and I, bing, I hit the edge of the pool in it, on my head. Did it hurt? Yes, but I loved it. I said, wow, this is wonderful. And so I turned around somehow and went to the other end of the pool and hit my head again. Didn't matter. I just kept going back and forth. I didn't stop. 98 minutes, Dr. Karen, 98 minutes. I said, they wanted to stop me. I said, no, I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. 98 minutes. I swam a mile. 
Now, I got to say, when I was a civilian, that's what I call not being paralyzed and such. When I was a civilian, I couldn't swim a mile. I just swim a mile. And I'm, I have flotation devices on me, and I'm still pretty much paralyzed, certainly from the waist down. I said, this is amazing. I love it. I love it. Thank you, dear Lord. So if I could do it once, guess what? I could do it again. I did it twice a week, and then three times a week, and then four times, five times. I get, I am persistent because I want to get better. I want to be the best me possible. And I'll make the story now very short so you can ask me a question. After about a year or so of this, doing it five times a week, I was able to turn on my tummy, which is a very big thing. I have flotation devices on my legs. I have panels on my hands because if you see this, you can see my hands, fingers don't close. And I use a snorkel. And suffice it to say, I now swim two miles a day, six days a week. And I just broke 8,700 miles about a month or so ago. And I have my vision is I'm going to swim around the world. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to partner with other people. Because if I had to do it by myself two miles a day, I'd be 115 by the time I got around the world. And usually 100-year-olds can't swim two miles without stopping. So I'm going to partner with, God willing, a guy named Lenny Kraselberg, who's a four-time Olympic gold medal champion. And another guy I think people have heard of, Michael Phelps. That's my goal. We're talking to Michael. And we're going to put another group of people like this. And each one of us will swim two miles a day. We'll have four teams, and we swim, let's say, Michael and I will swim together a 1,000 miles, and we'll ask people to chip in two cents a mile, two cents a mile, 20 bucks a year, and we'll raise millions of dollars for mental health awareness because it's all here. We can help mental health awareness raise millions of dollars, swim around the world as a team, and show that there are no limits in life. How's that? I love that. No limits in life. And I'm hearing several pieces to the story. There are always naysayers out there. There are always people who are going to say the negative. And you've got to consciously look for and find the ones who have the positive message. Listen to that. Let them be the helpers in your life. And then you're saying that you still have to persist. You still have to persevere. You have to work every day, even with all that going on. And then when you see a little change, a little movement, you keep building on it. You keep facilitating it and practicing it so that you get better at that little bit of movement and you continue to build, can you continue to build, continue to dream is what I'm hearing you say. Also, you never let that vision go. You never let the dream go along the way. And so as you do more, you increase the vision, you increase the dream as you're going along. So this is pretty powerful that someone could do this. Now, let me ask this. People who have your condition, even though I know it's rare, how many of them actually are able to walk, even with a Gandalf-type cane, walk (laughs) and do the things that you're doing? Who does that? Is this unusual? Yes. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Uh, 5% of the people who get Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is the uh, situation, they die. Okay, didn't die, thank God. 85% who get it don't get it to the full extent I did, you know, completely paralyzed. They get partial in this. And within six months to a year, it, it goes away. The body rebuilds, and you wouldn't even know they ever had an issue. So then there's 10% of people like me, residuals and such. And the question is, what do you do with it? With anything in life, right? 
what do you do? Here are the six most important words that you can ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life. You ready? These yes. are the six most important words. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. How you choose to respond in any given situation, as Dr. Karen just said, who do you associate with? I have a great um, line in my book, uh, something called yo-yo, <laughs> not yo-yo, yo-yo, Y-A-W-Y-A-W. It stands for you are who you associate with. Hello? Choose people that share your values that help uplift one another, that have elevating thoughts, words, and deeds that are there to encourage one another because that's what makes a difference. Those are dog poop people. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> you want dog poop people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get it? It's the ability to take action and to recognize that you have a dream and that it's a big dream. Big stance of believe in giving or believe in God. There's nothing that can stop you except you. I love that. And I know in order to get to where you are and having these people around you, your family's important too. Where does your wife fit into this? You've been married for 45 years. How did she go through all of this with you? And what part does she play? There is no Barry Shore without Naomi Shore. In my book called The Joy of Living, How to Slay Stress and Be Happy, the dedication is to my wife, Naomi, without whom I would just be protoplasm. There's no question that with her being there and her determination to help, Every single day, most likely I wouldn't be who I am and what I am and what I do. And there are many, many stories, unfortunately, of people who have been in situations where spouse now is paralyzed or something very untoward happened and the marriage doesn't continue. You can't. We were married 27 years at the time. It could have happened. I mean, I... There was no guarantee that I'd be speaking like I am now, swimming or doing anything. And there's still many things that, from outside perspective, I can't do. But we don't look at those. And it's not just she's still here. I mean, this is this is vibrant. We went the the energy level increases. So let's say if you ask me pre paralysis, and how am I different than now? Well, now I'm exponentially more happy. Because I live in joy daily. Now, joy is a wonderful acronym, by the way, Dr. Karen. It stands for journey of you. That's what joy is all about. Journey of you. You becoming the best possible you. There is no Barry Shore without Naomi Shore. It can't be. Well, I love that. And I love the fact that she chose to stay as your partner on your journey in life, which truly is the marriage vow for better or for worse. And because she stayed, both of you are creating the better. And you're saying something that I think is really profound. No matter what our physical housing may be, the spirit can always rise. 
the spirit can always be more powerful and profound because it's not limited by the physical. And so you're learning to sort of elevate in the spiritual part of who you are. And so, Barry, I want you to even comment on that because I know that you are a person who believes in God. How does your spiritual journey even help you to remain in this sense of joy? So as we mentioned, there are three fundamentals in life. Life has purpose, go mad, go make a difference. And the third is to unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. And again, this part of it goes back to when I was in the bed, unable to move for years, to use my mind and to work with ideas and words, always in the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. So the idea of the self, in my humble opinion, has two levels. The is what we call the lower self and the higher self. The lower self stands for seeking excitement, losing focus. What's the next thing? It's called the shiny object syndrome, SOS, right? Uh, people get excited by the ball game or this and that. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to there. Seeking excitement, losing focus. A higher level self is recognizing that you are a soul experiencing life fully, teaching always love and kindness. That's called self-talk, teaching always love and kindness. That's how you would speak to your best friend if they came over to you and say, I need your help. I really need to talk to you. You wouldn't say, well, put, go on my calendar and set an appointment. You wouldn't do that. You'd be there, you'd listen, and you wouldn't just rattle off something. You'd think about it. That's how we treat others. We need to learn to do this for ourselves. Amen. Doing it for others and ourselves. In fact, it can be hard to do it for others if we're not practicing it ourselves. So I love that as well. What have you learned through this journey and going through all of these experiences in your life? And why should people listen to you? What I have learned personally is that life is grand. Life stands for living inspirationally for eternity. We are not limited in any way. Yeah, we may have a physical casing, but we're eternal beings. And to be able to maintain thoughts that are in goodness, speech that is in goodness, in deeds that are in goodness, we literally make a difference in the world. To wake up and to know that you make a difference, to say to yourself, I make a difference. I make a difference. That's empowering. And it doesn't matter if you work sweeping the streets or you're the head of a multi-billion dollar corporation that employs millions of people. You make a difference by how you see yourself, act with others, and live life to the full. Amen to that. Living life to the full. I love it. So, Barry, how can people reach you? Because they may want to know more about what you're talking about. Well, that I just can't understand that, Dr. Karen. So the best thing for people to do is 
go to the site, barryshore.com, www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E.com. And because I'm on Dr. Karen's show, we are offering a free copy of my book, the ebook. Free. It's in the, underwritten by wonderful people who want to have 50,000 copies distributed. Thank you. The joy of living, how to slay stress and be happy. Just send an email to Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, at barryshore.com. And in the heading or subject matter, just write Dr. Karen, and you'll get the book for free. Free. It's not just that you get the book. The book is transformational. It will help you. If it doesn't just help you, it will help others. So share. Remember, spreading happiness and rejuvenating energy. BarryShaw.com. Send an email to Barry at BarryShaw.com. Dr. Karen in the heading. Free ebook. You will be happy that you did. Yes. And let me say, I have a copy of the book in my hands right now. I have read most of it. It is a joy to read and inspiration. Barry, you can see how he is right now on the show. So just imagine being able to have Barry right next to you through your life and whatever you're going through. That's what the book represents. And so I look forward to reading the entire thing. And I suggest everyone else get a copy as well, because he is the ambassador of joy. And that is what we're talking about. So Barry, also tell them about your podcast. Oh, yes, we do have a podcast, which is obviously titled The Joy of Living. Hundreds of thousands of people listen all over the world every week. Millions of downloads. Please go and access it. You can find it on the website, barryshore.com, or wherever podcasts are podcasted, whatever that means. And just you'll find it on Apple, Spotify, whoever it is. And The Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shore. All right. So now, Barry, what is something that you think is important to mention? And I haven't asked you that item yet. Well, I'll tell you the question that I get most often, and I'll give you a short answer. You ready? Mm-hmm. Barry Shore, have you ever had a bad day? So the simple answer is not since I'm 12 years old, which is now what? That's more than 60 years ago. And I think I can tell, urge everybody here to adopt the same thing. You will not, it's, is it possible that something untoward can happen in the course of a day that maybe can upset you for 10 minutes, five minutes, a half hour? Maybe. Get a flat tire, or this happened, that happened. Well, that's for a few minutes. But that's not going to affect the whole day. That's the key. No, you don't have bad days. You don't have bad days. You know what the op if you read the word mood backwards, Dr. Karen, it spells doom. We don't need a mood. Live life to the full. It's all in your hands. Yeah. Live life to the full. It's all in your hands. Bad moments don't have to be bad days. And even the bad moments, if we reframe them, they can be our stepping stones to where we're really going anyway. That's, so that's why she is who she is. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're on the same journey. So, Barry West, we're kind of coming to a close quickly here. What additional words of wisdom do you want to share and leave with my audience of executive business leaders? Anything you haven't said yet, something pithy that you want to leave them with? Yes. First of all, wow, as you just said, words of wisdom. 
words of wonder. I want to do two things. Dr. Karen, I want to give you a hug in front of all these hundreds of thousands of people. Hug stands for heartfelt, unlimited giving. And then we're going to leave everybody with a blessing. So you ready? On the count of three, a hug. One, two, three. And our blessing from Dr. Karen and Barry is go forth. Live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Barry, for being here with me today on the show. I really love going mad with you. So this is a delight. And as we close out today, I want to share a verse that I'm going to read And I'll just set this verse up. I'm reading from Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, verse 10. Imagine the Israelites have been in Babylonian captivity, and they're starting to come out of that captivity in different ways. And the leadership has gone from the Babylonians to the Medes, now to the Persians. So King Artaxerxes is in power. Nehemiah is his cupbearer, and he's a Jewish man. He sees that Jerusalem is in ruins as far as they don't have a wall built around the city. He gets permission to go and build the wall. They successfully build it, even though there's a lot of opposition. The people should be celebrating and rejoicing, but they're sad because when Ezra the priest reads the scriptures, they realize we are so far from what God had told us to do, and we're doing all kinds of crazy things. So here is how Nehemiah encourages them. He says in Nehemiah 8.10, Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's true for all of us who know and seek God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So walk in his joy. Walk in his strength, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan, for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.